This is Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon and Aaron Vickers on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. program is underway Aaron Vickers Logan Gordon Doug Lacey's Basement Systems Downtown Studios alongside our outstanding producers Cam and Taylor two hours flown by already as they do with you I don't know what it is I don't know either you're incredible two kinds before we get out of here on a Friday very excited to kick off the hour. We'll chat with Ed and Verk in just moments. I also have a pair of Stampeders tickets to give away. You could have just not and given them to me. I could have, but I also couldn't have, if you know what I mean. I, I got you. Yeah. So we'll do that before the hour is out. We'll send somebody to the Stampeders and the Red Blacks for family day on Sunday. We're very excited. This might be one of my... Most anticipated chats with Adnan Verk of all time. Because, as you know, Adnan has worked for pretty much every sports company under the sun. Currently, MLB Network, NHL Network. But for me, it's Adnan Verk of the Cinephile Podcast. And this weekend, movies are back. It's Barbie. It's Oppenheimer. It's Gosling. It's Margot Robbie. Gerwig. It's it's everything. It's Cillian Murphy. Killian Murphy. It's it's everything I could possibly want, and I'm so excited to chat with Adnan Verk. He joins us down the Atlas Beach and Sports Bar guest hotline. Mister Verk, good Friday to you. How are you, pal? I'm doing great, Logo. I appreciate the warm introduction. I'm definitely in demand right now. You're right. Normally I do <laughs> our Calgary radio hit. Generally you and me, but normally I'm not on the morning show this week. Rustic reached out. I go, okay, clearly I'm back. My Toronto guys, I always do. Vancouver's had me on twice this week. I said, wow, everybody wants to talk baseball. But more importantly, as you said, movies because of Oppenheimer and Barbie. Barbenheimer, or as I mistakenly said, the cinephile, Boppenheimer. <laughs> my fifth time on, on uh, my fifth time on Canadian Airwaves here. But I, don't worry, I've saved my best for last. The only thing I'm sad about is this. Somebody's, like, people already text me now. What do you think of Oppenheimer? I go, listen, I worked a double shift yesterday. I had Brian Kenny's show, MLB Now. I had my own show at 6. It was a 10-hour day. I could have gone home and watched the 9 p.m. IMAX, but I said, I'm not in the frame of mind to do so, right? I'm kind of tired, kind of hungry. That's not how we're going to do this. And today I'm working, obviously. So I'm off tomorrow, and I would have told you, hey, noon show, 9 a.m. show. I'm going to go see Oppenheimer. But an old ESPN buddy of mine who I saw Dunkirk with on IMAX wants to recreate the Nolan magic. And I said, okay, fine. If you're willing to – by the way, I'm not going to Connecticut. If you're willing to drive to where I live in New Jersey – I'll do it. But Saturday, he's working WNBA. So he said, can we work Sunday? Because Sunday's the Hall of Fame. I'm doing a show. I could do 6.30. He said, yeah. So very improbably, Logan, the question everyone's saying, what are you going to watch first, Barbie or Oppenheimer? I would have said to you, obviously Oppenheimer, but no, because I'm, I'm at the mercy of his schedule. I'm actually going to take my wife tomorrow because I'm off to go see Barbie. <laughs> and I'm doing it with two other couples. 
and she was worried about being sold out. So I went to the theater today in person. I said, can I get six tickets for the 2.15 p.m. show at Barbie? He goes, that'll be 87.50. So I will see Barbie before I see Oppenheimer Sunday night. Wow. That's, uh, that only works out the way it could for Adnan Verk. And I got to tell you a story here uh, in Calgary. This was a, a tragic one now. I was a bit slow with, with my uh, moving going cohorts getting tickets for Oppenheimer for last night. And Calgary does, in fact, have an IMAX theater that was showing it in the 70-millimeter roll that, uh, that Nolan sent out for all the theaters. Uh, I couldn't get tickets to go see that one, so I went to a separate theater. Non-IMAX showing was still incredible and worth it. But uh, once I got out of the movie, Verk, I started seeing tweets from everybody that went to uh, the IMAX theater here in Calgary. Apparently, they had projector problems, and they didn't have a staff member properly trained on using the IMAX projector. So the sound and film were out of sync for the last 40 minutes of the movie uh, of Oppenheimer last night in Calgary. So people were, right and rightfully so, pretty pissed off. This was the an experience they were waiting for. I, I'm glad I missed it because I would have been incredibly upset had this happened to me. But I know there's a lot of people here in Calgary who went out to Chinook last night excited to go see the IMAX version, seeing how Christopher Nolan intended it to be seen and uh, got caught in a bad situation last night. Oh, that's beyond frustrating, man. I can't imagine what that's like. You know, he has said he wants people to see the IMAX 70-millimeter version, which is what you're talking about. I look, there's only 19 theaters in America that even have that. The closest for me would be in New York City. Now, I appreciate he's so passionate about this, of course. But I'm not going to pay the $40 in parking just to drive to New York City. I'll drive 10 minutes and watch it here in New Jersey. But like you, I prefer to see it in the best version possible. So I'm seeing an IMAX on Sunday. Not IMAX 70mm, but it's still IMAX. There's also just a 70mm option, which would have been good. But like you, at the end of the day, if the choice is see Oppenheimer, non-IMAX, non-70, or don't see Oppenheimer at all, well, I'll just go see Oppenheimer. So to everybody listening out there, I appreciate Nolan's passion. If you can see it. On the biggest screen possible, 70 millimeter, go for it. But I would have done the same thing as you. I would have said, you know what, dude? I just got to see the movie. And guess what? If it's as great as it is, and I'm sure you're going to tell me it is, then I'll go back and see it at IMAX. I'll go back and see it 70 millimeter. It's all good. Now, Adnan, Aaron here. I've got to ask you because there's so much buzz on social about doing the back-to-back thing. Where are you on that? Yeah, that's insane to me. I, I, I know, listen, maybe in my younger days, you know, before I had four kids and the job, I'm like, yeah, what the hell? Let's just knock this out. But I, I think, you know, it's so rare to get big-time, quality, ten-pole movies at the theater that I want to space it out. Like, it's, it's not like I'm waiting a week to see them. Like, one day apart. Barbie at 2.15 tomorrow and an Oppenheimer at 6 o'clock. Like, I, I appreciate the rabid devotion of people saying, hey, these are two big-time movies. It's been a while since we had two big-time movies go head-to-head at the box office. Definitely, it's the first time, you know, pre post-COVID. But I don't know. Like I like to watch a movie. I like to let it sink in. I, I don't need to watch a one o'clock Barbie and like a four o'clock Oppenheimer. Like no, let well, me enjoy the movie, luxuriate, think about it, and the next day I'll go see it. Like only only if like I was on vacation the next day and I was going to be out of the country. I go okay, fine. I'll watch them both on the same day. But this this preponderance of people saying no, no Barbenheimer same day. I'm like no, I don't. It's like, to me, it's like having like you know dual ice cream. Like I have an ice cream cake. I'll have it another next. I don't need. I don't need the whole cake in one day. I like the portion control. Come on. Well, the thing I don't understand is it's like I don't know what the the rush to get them both in is. There's this isn't like a Marvel movie or something where there's big spoilers attached or cameo like 
Uh, Oppenheimer's, I can tell you how it ends. Uh, you know, you should know how it ends probably before you go see the movie if you want to understand what's happening. I don't think Barbie's, you know, full of big spoilers either. Like, I don't know that, you know, if you're not the first one to see it, that somebody's going to ruin it for you because Barbie and Ken didn't get together. So I, I just don't, like, it's not, to me, it's not one of those things where I have to rush to see it or else the movie's going to be ruined for me. Uh, totally true, Logan. You're right. If it's like a spoiler-heavy movie, like a Marvel movie, that's different because you're right. If you go on social media after day one or day two, people are going to know. It's not like a TV show. Like when the succession finale happens, you'd better stay off social or somebody is going to ruin it for you and tell you what happened. In this instance, I had a friend, again, the buddy I'm going to see the movie with, he was like, I can send you this primer on Oppenheimer. I'm like, no, I'm fine. He's like, what's this documentary? I don't know. All I know, this is all I know. It's a three-hour Christopher Nolan movie, and Oppenheimer devised the atomic bomb. That's all I need to know. I'm already in. Why do I need to know more information? I'm going to watch me, and then after the movie, I'll read the reviews from the New York Times and Washington Post and Toronto Star, and, and then I can watch documentaries and listen to Christopher Nolan on podcasts. I have all these things lined up to do. But if I'm already in on the movie, I don't need to get all the other stuff. I mean, just enjoy the movie. Same thing with Barbie. I'm like, oh, you got to hear this interview that Margaret Robbie did. Or no, no, no. After, <laughs> let me enjoy the movie first. Because then, by the way, I may not like the movie, but if I listen to the podcast, well, okay, I appreciate what you're trying to do. Or I may like it. I like to learn more about these things. But it's like with trailers. I go, all I need is the trailer. It's a tra-. And in this case, I didn't even need the trailer, right? Oppenheimer, you already just, if you just whispered to me, Christopher Nolan's new movie, I'm like, okay, I'm in. I don't care what the story is. Like, if it, you can tell me it was four hours. I'm, I'm going to watch it. So, uh, <coughs> sorry. I'm with you guys. <laughs> Have you ever seen two blockbusters come out at the same time with sort of polar opposite feels get, I don't even want to say marketed the same way because it really felt like it happened organically on social, but just become this one unit of mega marketing? Well, especially, as you said, to have such different subject matter, I I don't remember it. And of course, for those that don't know the story, it's pretty crazy. Like Christopher Nolan has always been a Warner Brothers guy. And what happened is he was so upset by what they did post-COVID with the whole day-and-date release, meaning you could watch the movie in the theater, but it was also simultaneously available on streaming. And he was incensed because he rightfully said, well, then no one's going to go to the movie theaters. And one of those was saying, well, it's post-COVID. We have to recoup some of our investment. This is, this is desperation time, right? Now, in the case of Tenant, which is always my answer to people who say, well, Christopher Nolan's never made a bad movie. I'm like, eh. Let's talk Tenet. <laughs> well, it wasn't great, but what I'd give him credit on is this. It was $58 million at the box office, which sounds paltry, but it was actually incredible in lieu of the fact all the COVID regulations. He made 358 worldwide on a $200 million budget. That's a, that's a loss, but it's still a win because it showed that, hey, I'm caring enough to get movies back in theaters, and it was really an emblem and a symbol of people trying to care about motion pictures. So he was so incensed with Warner Brothers. I'm going somewhere. I believe it's Universal, if I'm not mistaken. So he made off and Emily. So Warner Brothers, as a screw you to know him, was like, okay, fine, watch this. Barbie, we know he's going to make more money. It's tracking right now to open at $100 million this weekend. Oppenheimer at $50 million. Which, by the way, I still think is incredible for Oppenheimer. That's a three-hour movie with black and white sequences, which he, even he is saying you should watch in IMAX, which is not available everywhere. And that's still going to get $50 million up against Barbie. Like, that's amazing to me. Barbie is Barbie. It's Mattel. It's toys. You get a huge female audience. Like, you better believe it's going to get $100 million of the opening weekend. I believe the budget for it is $145 million. That means you're look, looking to make at least $300 million domestic, even more uh, foreign box office, et cetera. So um, it's a long way of saying, no, I've never seen these two types of movies going head-to-head. The one I keep thinking about, this goes way back 30 years ago. I was a kid. Jurassic Park 
versus the last action hero. Now, again, this was dinosaurs long before we even knew what Spielberg could do with that kind of technology. And Schwarzenegger, who was one of the biggest stars in the world, but that was a huge head-to-head showdown. And Jurassic Park blew him out of the water. And years later, people say last action hero is better than you think. Schwarzenegger himself has said he's proud of the film. He just felt that they just got they just got dusted by Spielberg and all those Velociraptors. But the last the last time I can really tell you, I vividly remember toe to toe. Which one are you going to see? I've never seen it like this. Barbie, comedy, silly, female, subversive versus very serious Christopher Nolan three hours. Yeah, and I can tell you, someone that, that saw Oppenheimer last night, I needed a bit of a palate cleanser after. Th- it's a very serious movie. Like, it's a very, there's not more than a, a couple seconds of, of brevity in the entire thing. Because if you, if you spoiler alert, if you haven't followed U.S. history, it's not exactly a a funny ha-ha movie. It, it took a couple minutes to decompress afterwards. You're right. It was three hours in the movie theater. And look, I'd spend 20 hours in a movie theater. I'm a dork. I don't have a life, but that's a, a separate issue. It, it was, uh, do you think, is this theaters back, Adnan? Like if, if both these movies do as well as we're hoping they do, are, are we saying that movie theaters are back or are we still dependent on studios coming up with new ideas and, and taking risks instead of just the old, you know, rehashing of old movies or doing the sequel thing? Well, we're well on our way, but we're not totally back. And the reason why is when you look at the numbers, you got to look pre-COVID. 2023 numbers compared to 2019, it's still not where it is. It, I think it's 60 or 70% of where the box office was at the same time last year. Now, these are going to be two huge juggernauts. There's no question about it. Barbie and Oppenheimer will make a lot of money, and that number will increase perhaps to, let's say by the end of August, 80% of where we were. But we're still not back to pre-COVID levels. And I think that's fair to say that that's the benchmark. Like if you run a restaurant, a hotel, et cetera, you're saying we've got to get back to 2019 pre-COVID levels. And maybe it's impossible, right? Maybe you said that's just not going to happen. Just accept it. But with inflation, rising ticket prices, et cetera, we can still make things palatable. But we're not going to get back to where we were probably because people are so dependent now on streaming and different ways of finding content. But even if you're at, to me, 70, 80%, that's still pretty impressive considering the doom and gloom of people saying, well, I don't go to the movies anymore. It's been years since I go to the movies. I'll never go to the movies. It's still pretty impressive if you're telling me you're at 70% of the box office from four years ago. So I think these two movies will go a huge way towards helping the box office. I myself, as I said, 87.50 for Barbie. The two tickets for um, Oppenheimer is $49. So I, I'm doing my part along with the overpriced $9 popcorn <laughs> and $7 slushies. So I've, uh, as you know, Logo, I'm, I've been going to the movies. I mean, I, I ran to the theater to watch The Way Back. Well, as soon as COVID started, I go, well, this is the last one I'm going to see for a while. And then the first movie I could possibly see, I did. I think it was three months that I ran right to the theater to watch whatever it was. Masked up, matinee, no problem. So I think it's, it's definitely a great sign for movies, but we're not all the way back. Having said that, pretty good summer overall. Not only these two movies, but also Mission Impossible. As you know, I hate Tom Cruise, but <laughs> it is going to do massive box office. And Indiana Jones 5. So the movies are relying on sequels, but it goes back to your overarching point, which is exactly right. Ultimately, the studios have to make original content. And that's what I'm happiest about. The biggest takeaway from this entire conversation is these are original films, right? Barbie may be a toy, but the whole point is this is an original idea for a movie. This is not based on a comic book. Similarly for Oppenheimer, this is a real-life character, but it's a, a figment of Nolan's imagination, how he brought this biography to life. Hollywood needs to make movies like this, not just Fast and Furious 10 
and Top Ten Maverick and a bunch of sequels. This is the way movies will really be resuscitated. Aaron's really disappointed. I, he, I he love Top Gun Maverick. I'm not he was looking lie. forward to, to Fast and Furious 16. Well, 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 let's in, not let's not go that years. far. But I'm just going to wait, uh, I don't know, six months for Adnan to come back on and talk about Barbie 2 and then six months <laughs> after that, Barbie 3. And here we go. Well, Aaron is right, by the way. Whenever there is success, of course, we will see a copycat. Yeah. And that's what I find is, is the most amusing part because, again, part of the charm of Barbie, and I haven't seen it yet, but I can't wait, is Greta Gerwig is involved. Like, people who love independent movies know Greta Gerwig. They know yeah. how great Lady Bird was. They know she adapted Little Women and directed it. So that was the real hook for me, right? The hook for me is not Barbie's feminist icon. It's not the, the dazzling and beautiful Margot Robbie. It's not even a Canadian with an eight pack and Ryan Gosling. It was a Greta Gerwig. I'm like, oh, okay. Like, she's a legit director. Like, she's very talented. For her to sign off on this, it must be something different. And that's the one thing I've heard from a couple of people is that it's sly, it's subversive, it's tongue-in-cheek. It's not just truly a Barbie movie. It's, it's kind of making comments um, you know, throughout the way of, in, in terms of still being entertaining. But Aaron's point is correct. I mean, you're not going to see an Oppenheimer 2, but there will probably be a Barbie sequel if this thing makes as much money as we all think it is going to make. I feel like Oppenheimer 2 might be a bit of a... A stretch of the uh, historical accuracy of the first one, but uh, and then I can ask you this question as we uh, get to some other topics because I know you'll answer it honestly, uh, despite the work that you do with MLB Network. What are you more excited for, your weekend of movies or the upcoming MLB trade deadline? Which one hits home for you more? Well, it is the upcoming weekend of movies. There's no question about it. Only because you got the star pair with Barbenheimer, but my answer will be changed if Shohei Otani gets traded. You know what I mean? Like Fair. if he gets traded, then watch out because. I think that could just be a massive seismic move. Now, I don't think it'll happen. I don't think Artie Moreno wants to be known as the guy that traded Shohei Otani. If he keeps him, that's two more months of great box office revenue. It's two more months of advertising dollars from Japan. It's two more months of being able to say when he wins MVP, hey, we signed this guy for four years. It was the greatest contract in baseball history. He won MVP twice. How cool was that? And I still think I can re-sign him. And even if it feels like the Dodgers are the favorite, the Mariners will be involved, the Mets, et cetera, I'm sure Artie Moreno says, I've got the head start, man. He's had four years here. I have to convince him I can do this, so I'm not going to trade him. Now, I'm hosting our trade deadline show August 1st from 1 to 3 Eastern MLB Network. I'm sure other names will get moved. I think Cody Bellinger and the Cubs will get – I think he'll get traded. He's been terrific lately. I think Marcus Stroman will get traded. He's been awesome for the Cubs. He's third in ERA right now. Um, And hopefully some other big names as well. So I, I, I think it's going to be a good trade deadline because so many teams are involved right now in the mix. That's always a little bit tricky because you go, well, if there's, let's say, seven teams really involved, 23 teams can be trade partners. In this instance, you have like 15 teams right now who are in the playoff picture, like within a few games the final wild card spot. I think you got 15 teams out of it. Well, how many of those teams who are kind of in the mix are going to be buyers rather than sellers, and how many of them sit pat? That's where it gets tricky. But I think ultimately there's always action. There's always a flurry of action on that day, especially because it's a copycat league. So if Brian Cashman looks over and sees the Orioles acquire a starter and the Rays get in the relief races, I'm compelled to do something. And I think the Yankees will be busy no matter what. I want to circle back on Otani because I I understand the financial incentive and the marketing incentive. But what do you make of the you don't want to be the guy known as the guy that traded Otani versus the guy who didn't get anything for him when you had the chance to trade him? Yeah, that's where it gets tricky, Aaron. It's the whole something for nothing argument. And I totally understand that. If you're the Angels saying, we're going to let this guy walk, that's it. But again, it's not like it's a small market franchise. It's not like they're the Rays and they say to themselves, there's no way we can keep this guy. Let's just go ahead and trade him. 
the Nationals are not like a top five salary team. But they knew with Juan Soto, hey, we got to figure this out. So we're going to offer him $440 million, and incredibly, he said no. So clearly, he just doesn't want to be here. Let's flip him now. And they made what they felt was the best trade at that time, two and a half years of Soto. C.J. Abrams looks like a really good player. I talked to him the other day. He, um, I think, was the player of the week, as a matter of fact. So, you know, he's one of the top prospects they got. Mackenzie Gore is really good as well. So, you know, if Moreno really wanted to do it, he would have done it last year. He would have said, well, a year and a half of Otani, you get a hell of a deal for this guy. And even if the deal were to happen, you know, I think realistically, you'd have to get three of a team's top ten prospects, probably two everyday players, and be like a five for one. Like, I, it's not an exaggeration to say be a, a Herschel Walker type trade, which was eight for one. And that's just two months of a guy. Like, there's no guarantee he's going to sign with you, which is why I think some teams even would be skittish to offer that much. Bull Porter, Astros manager, one of our analysts here, great guy, he had the best plan I've heard from anybody. He said this to me a month ago on the air. He goes, if you want Otani, I'm going to need three top prospects, two everyday players, and guess what? You're taking Rendon's contract too. I said, that'd be incredible. You could get out of the albatross of owing him over $240 million. You're not going to be paying Otani $500 million. All you have to pay is Trout. As much as I love him, it's not a good contract now. $421 million for a guy who's only played over 140 games once since 2017. Trout's incredible, but he's injury prone. And this year he's had a down season by his standards. But that's only one contract to worry about. So you're getting three top prospects, two everyday players, and you can reset your franchise financially. I said, that's incredible. Now, I, I asked a couple of people about that idea, and they said, well, no one's crazy enough to do that. But that is an example where I could see Artie Brando going, you know what? If I really don't think Otani resigns, and I can get out from under the Rendon contract and get some top pieces back, maybe I'll have to make a deal. And you have to look at teams that have the prospects and the wherewithal to do this, which is whom? Dodgers, Rays, Braves, the usual suspects. Uh, and then I know you had our boy uh, Tim McAuliffe on with you on MLB now chatting about the Toronto Blue Jays. To me, they got to be one of the more intriguing teams heading into this trade deadline because they're in a playoff spot in the wild card, but they still feel like they're a couple pieces away from being a World Series contender. Where do you go if you're Ross Atkins and the Jays management team here? Because really feels like another playoff appearance that only lasts two games or anything less than that is going to result in some pretty major changes and some major looks around the organization because another year of, of Vladdy, Bichette, you know, Springer, et cetera, hasn't uh, amounted to anything of real substance in the postseason. Yeah, it's going to be frustrating in Toronto. There's no question about it because you look around and go, look at Baltimore. Like they're, they're looking like they're going to be a juggernaut for years to come. They have stars everywhere, it looks like, right? Adley Rutschman's their superstar. Gunnar Henderson looks like a superstar. Hayes is an all-star. Cedric Mullins is really good. Anthony Santander is great. Pitching-wise, they could use some guys. Grayson Rodriguez got called up. They've got three monsters out of their bullpen. And by the way, I looked at their farm system. It's one of the top five in baseball. They've got eight of the top hitting prospects of the top 100. So if you're the Jays, you look around and go, okay, Rays aren't going anywhere. They're always good. Baltimore looks like they're going to be awesome for years to come. Yankees struggling, old, ancient, but they're the Yankees. They'll spend a lot of money. They'll get better quickly. And Boston, improbably, thanks to my boy Alex Cora, are only a few games that have a playoff spot. So the Jays really have to realize that window is going to close sooner rather than later. And if you don't make a run this year and you don't make a run next year, well, guess what? And all of a sudden, Vlad Jr. is a free agent, right? Like I think he's got three more years, but point being, if he gets to that final year, he's really looking to go elsewhere, unless you are going to lock him up to a $300 million contract, which I don't think they should do. They've already figured out with Bo. Let's give him more money to avoid arbitration, and eventually we'll see if we have to give him that 
$250 million contract. But Chapman's going to walk. His doubles lead the American League. I think he's going to get a $150 million contract somewhere. I don't think Toronto resigns him. So this really is the time for the Jays to make some hay. And I still think they are a sleeping giant. I still think they're super talented. I love their lineup in many ways. I think they're one starter away, if Manoa can be the answer. I think they're one reliever away, which is always available. But your overarching point is correct, Logan. You can't keep saying, oh, the Jays are really good, great young nucleus. They're so talented. You've got to win. You can't just lose in two games again. Like you got to make the playoffs. That absolutely has to happen, which I believe they will do. I think it's going to be uh, Rays or Orioles, whoever does it win the division, Astros and Jays. I mean, it's, it's going to be painful, but I think Yankees, Red Sox both miss the playoffs. But you, you're right. You can't just go two games and be out. You've got to win around. you got to make some noise here because you wait till next year. Bo's a year older. Vlad's a year older. Springer older than that contract. Like, Manoa is still in the way we have here. Barrios into that contract. Like, you, you've signed up your guys. They have to make some noise at this point. You can't make another trade like you made with Varsho and Guriel and Moreno. That hasn't worked out. Varsho's great defensively, offensively. He's been a disappointment. Meantime, Guriel's an all-star. Moreno's great defensively for Arizona. Kirk's been a disappointment offensively. Jansen's been average, 100 OPS offensively. Mm-hmm. So for the Jays, you're right. You can't just tell me, oh, we made the playoffs. You've got to go beyond that this year compared to last year. Uh, give us one team to watch for as we approach trade deadline. Somebody you think either from a buyer's or seller's perspective who might be worth keeping an eye on as we get closer uh, to the deadline, Adnan. I just think sellers-wise, the Cubs are really interesting. Again, I think Stroman could be the best pitcher available. I think Bellinger is the best hitter available. He's hitting 420 in his last 20 games. He's gone back to being former MVP Cody Bellinger. So I could see the Cubs really getting a lot for both those guys. You know, Stroman, they're talking about he's going he's to opt out of his deal, which is a three-year $71 million deal. He could be making 25 to $30 million as a starting pitcher, which is massive money. And I think he'd be great in Baltimore. God, they could use a big-time starting pitcher. They got Bradish and Wells, and after that, not many starters. Stroman and Baltimore, I think, would be electric. I think Bellinger really good, too. So watch for the Cubs to, to make some moves here. I think if they're smart, they'll be sellers, and they'll recoup well in their investment. And then always appreciate you, pal. Have yourself a great weekend. Enjoy the movie theater. Uh, I can't wait to chat with you on the other side about your thoughts on both these movies. But uh, have a great weekend, pal. We'll chat again next week, hey? Back at you, Logan. You and Aaron have a great weekend. We'll talk soon. Take care. And then, Virk, joining us down the Atlas Beach and Sports Bar, guest hotline, MLB Network, NHL Network, and the Cinephile Podcast. He joins us every week here on Sportsnet today. And uh, next week we'll have our Barbie... Oppenheimer review with uh, with Adnan Verk. I've got to go check both of them out now, right? I, like, is there going to be? A, I feel like there's just going to be a quiz later or something. There might out. be. Go with the producer. They're going to Barbie tonight, aren't you guys? That's right. Weird. Didn't uh, didn't get an invite. Didn't get an invite. Uh, that's a lie. Mm. You you got nope. invites. You just never responded. Nope. What? When? Where? I know I, I, I said it in person. I said, we're oh, going to Barbie. You person. guys want to come? Mm. Oh, I heard, I heard the going to Barbie. No. I don't recall the, no, do you want to no come? There, there, was, there was the invitation, there and you guys that. did not respond and then left the studio, so. No, didn't happen that way. That did. Have fun tonight. Uh, we're coming right. to you live from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios. Wrapping up the hour next. You're on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. This is Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon and Aaron Vickers on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. All right, welcome back. Finishing out the hour. Logan and Aaron along with you on the Sports Drive, brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Ask away a restricted key system can keep your business safe even through employee turnover. Visit Calgary Lock and Safe. 
Com. One of the uh, cooler Jays series of the year starts tonight in Seattle, Mr. Vickers. How close were you to just jumping in the car and going? I'd love to. I wasn't very close this year. I should have been. But I just I never, I'm bad at planning. So one of these years I Saturday I morning, 11-hour ro- road trip. I've done worse. I would just just not with you guys because you guys make your own plans with never invite other us people, places. So we're not bitter. No, have fun though. Um, I invited you. I fully did. Uh, no, you didn't. Yeah, I did. No, nope. I did. Whatever. Jays are in Seattle, kicking off a weekend set, and it's one of the cooler experiences I think in sport right now, at least in North American professional sports, to see the Jays fans invade Seattle like they do. And it was earlier this week that the Seattle team store. I was going to say that team heat, but I don't know if it was fair or not. Now the text line nine six zero nine six zero. You need your texting fingers ready in a moment uh, for something else, but you can chime in on this as well. Team store is getting ready for the Jays to come into town and has put out, and I didn't see the picture of the whole store, but they had a display. It was a fairly extensive uh, display, though. Sure. Of Jay's gear. I, but again, is it extensive compared to the store? I don't know. I, could, I didn't see a full picture of how big, like was it one stand in the entire 800 square? I don't know what it was. Anyways, they had a, they had a stand full of Jay stuff and the Seattle Mariner store. Uh, someone took a picture of it. It made its round on social media. A couple of Seattle players... Quote tweeted and brought it up. And we're going, this is so embarrassing. You know, uh, why are we doing this? Blah, blah, blah. So eventually they took it all down, replaced it all with Mariners gear. And first of all, I think it's, I think it's just smart marketing. If Blue Jays fans are going to be at the Seattle store and are looking for something to buy, they might as well buy it from you. But second of all, and the more important part to all of this, yeah, that's the picture. Yeah, I mean, that's... I don't think it's outrageous. I don't think they were lining the walls with Vladdy It didn't jerseys. become a Toronto Blue Jays team store. No. And I, I've seen other stores put out a couple of items for the visiting team in an attempt to, to see if they can sell something. Well, why not, right? I mean, money's money. Again, you're not like you're taking over the store, but the reason they do this is because this is capacity weekend in Seattle. Western Canadian Blue Jays fans are going to descend on Seattle for one of the it, one of the very cool road atmospheres in professional sports. I don't think just baseball, but professional sports. The new Blue Jays are talking about it. Chris Bassett was talking about it on the broadcast a couple of days ago. Kevin Kiermeyer, who's been in the AL East against Toronto a few times, has talked about how special this one is to head to Seattle and to see all the Blue Jays fans there, and I'm curious on the text line at 960-960 with a chance to win a pair of Calgary Stampeders tickets for this Sunday's game against the Red Blacks. Let us know on the text line with your first and last name. Is there a visiting stadium experience that you would want to experience as a sports fan? Like, for a Jays fan, going to Seattle is the biggest on the calendar. 
right? That's or maybe maybe it's going to Boston. I was going to say Fenway, maybe. Right? Maybe it's going to Fenway. Right? For a Flames fan, maybe it's going up the road to Edmonton or going down to California to catch them on the Anaheim for a little bit. On the probably not. Maybe not, but San Jose, L.A. You know, do the the California trip with the Flames, right? As a visiting fan. Where do you most want to go with your team? Now, we'll pick one out for random on the text line at 960-960 if you're listening live. First and last name has to be on the text. And you have to be able to go. 5 o'clock kickoff on Sunday. Family day at McMahon Stadium. Please, if you're entering, be able to use the tickets. We will send them to you right away once we pick a winner at the end of the segment. But please be able to go to the Stamps and the Red Blacks game on Sunday. First and last name on the text to enter. What what, what comes to mind for you, Vickers, as far as like visiting arenas and where you would want to follow your favorite sports team? I think the natural one is to say up at Rogers Place in Edmonton, but it's not enough of a, a trip or a, a debt. Like, I don't imagine four of my buddies and I hopping a plane to go see the flames in Edmonton. Like the proximity is too close. Sure. So for me, you've got to go one. You got to, you got to be able to get on a plane. If I can drive there, it's, it's not a trip. It's not an event. It's not a, it's not a weekend of shenanigans. If I'm driving to get there, unless it's, you know, the middle of Montana for a golf trip or something. So just keeping it solely on arena experiences, stadium experiences, I mean, Seattle, to, to catch Jays on the West Coast certainly fits the bill to, to tie it into the original comment of this uh, merch section. And to be perfectly honest, looking at this picture, I don't even think it's jerseys. I think it's just those T-shirts with the screen-printed name and number. Like, I see Vladdy here. It all looks like folded shirts. It doesn't even look like jerseys. So I'm I'm okay in understanding of what the team's trying to do there in terms of capitalizing on a few Canadian dollars. Why not? If you know people are going to come yeah. and buy the merch. Uh, so I'm okay with that. I think I would, if you're asking me what my ultimate destination to catch a Flames road game is, it has nothing to do with the team that they'd be playing, but MSG. Yeah. Let's go Rangers. Now, if it's got to be some sort of tie-in with the Flames, I mean, is, if does I'm being... Vancouver count? Like, again, that's a that's a flight, but... I don't know. Uh, it's I a mean, good question. To me, yeah, if you're a Flames fan or something, it's you know you're trying to make a a trip of it. Nashville. How about that? That's a good one. I can imagine why you'd say that. You, you sh- that should be the last place I say after spending five days there for the draft at Bridgestone Arena. See, for me, it would be Pat somewhere Steinberg. like Montreal, right? If you could, if you told me on the schedule, you've got Calgary, Montreal, Hockey Night in Canada. At the Bell Center, boom. That's where on the 41 road games that the Flames play. So part of me, though, it's, it's got to be the atmosphere of the arena as it pertains to an enemy coming in. In the, in the late 80s, 100%. Two cup finals appearances between the two teams. I could understand them not really welcoming you in the same sort of way that if you were to go up to Edmonton, chances are wearing a Flames jersey to Rogers Place, you're going to be greeted with a little bit of hostility. Now, I don't necessarily know how hostile the Seattle crowd 
is going to be to Blue Jays fans. Again, it's going to be almost a 50-50 split, I would imagine. It's actually like 70-30. So it's even worse. It's your, yes, there's not going to be many Seattle fans there. I just don't know what an invasion of Flames fans looks like in, a, in another arena. In an arena that wouldn't be unlike every single Battle of Alberta, to be perfectly honest. I'm not, I'm not saying it's 50-50 up no. there or down here when no. it's a Battle of Alberta game. But that's what you kind of need for me to to get the juices going in terms of the invasion angle for the Calgary Flames. You want you want a bit of that hostility, oh, what yeah. you're saying, right? You want like so let's stop short of the fist fights. Sure. For for sure. But yeah, let's like, have some fun with it on both sides. Like uh, you don't know uh, like would it is the soccer aspect of it too far where like you're not allowed to mingle with opposing fans? Like is that is that where you would draw the line where you're fenced in away from other fans or is that like the peak of what you'd want to experience as a road fan well so what's fun about the world championship not <laughs> to always scare, bring it back that to that scare the hell out of me but they'll have full-on sections from right up to the glass to right below the suites of just that country's fan and that's just how they acquire the tickets that's how they book it out it wouldn't necessarily work the same way in the nhl but it is so much fun if you have one section on one side and another section on another just going back and forth or trying to outduel each other or what have you. That's a, a fun atmosphere. It's a safe atmosphere, but it's Fair. also a complete and utter ruckus with the two sides trying to duel it out a little bit. So that's what I would be looking for. I think yeah, you'll get that in good, Seattle. Because there was a good... I think there was a good... I don't remember hearing many you know, fist fights or things at the world cup or anything, you know, no. it was, it was a healthy sporting atmosphere. Whereas I wonder if like, you know, there's a couple here that have, that have chanted, you know, Jordan texted in nine, six, zero, nine, six, zero. I'd love to do a champions league game. Uh, of course now it's moving as I do this. Where did it go? Um, I'd love to do a champions league game, uh, home and home between real Madrid and Barcelona. Just imagine the hatred. See, like the hatred is like, Danger. It's danger, right? Like little those bit are, danger. Those are serious, serious sports fans where you're not wearing like opponent colors into pubs and stuff. Like that's legit. I wonder if, if that's like well, some people draw a line. Jamie there is obviously like, hey, give me that. Or Jordan, excuse me, was like, hey, give me that. That's the level I want. Like that's the experience I want. It won't be like that in Seattle. No, I think Jays. it's more because it's more. Well, how about you? Do you want to do you want the experience where you're like probably won't get stabbed? But maybe. Yeah, I'd like to keep my stabbing chances at a minimum if Why I could. Why is it that every time somebody in this show production goes somewhere, they're like, I don't want to get stabbed. What is it with you three and just getting stabbed? Cam's more worried about it than anybody. That's my first reference. Ever, I'm pretty sure. Cam thought he was going to get stabbed at Stampede for some reason. And I didn't. He's got a media pass, and he's going to the barns with the chuck wagon. He's like, oh, I really hope I don't get stabbed. <laughs> if anything, I'd get, like, poked by a spur in the like, boot. Security? <laughs> are you picking fights you, with people? What are you doing here? I got a media pass. Get out of here. Uh, yeah, I don't think that happens. No, no. Um, <laughs> Short of fist fights, fights are an amazing part of a super intense hockey battle. What's wrong with you? On the text line, I mean, like, I don't, I don't know if I necessarily need to throw it out. Maybe I'm just not a passionate enough sports fan. 
I guess, but I don't know what. I got a job to go to on Monday. I didn't say anything about fights in the game. I'm just like, in the game, yeah. Sure, in the stands, not in the so stands, much. I'm not. I'm not. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if that's if that's what that text was referring to. I don't know what what. Yeah, yeah I'm okay with it on the ice. What's wrong with you, Aaron? Come Off on. the ice, you know, for a guy who like very clearly has broken his nose three or four times, the last thing I need is to up that total a little that's bit. Fair. Uh, a couple of texts at nine six zero nine six zero will randomly pick one. It's got their first and last name on the text. For a pair of tickets to go see the Stamps and Red Blacks this weekend. Uh, this text says, I went to a Mets game once. Nothing to do with the jersey or opposing teams. but felt we were going to get stabbed the whole time. <laughs> this one says, I was in Boston where the fans were crazy. When we scored, I jumped up and shouted. The guy behind me told me to sit down and shut the F up or they would kill me. Love going to Boston games. Whoa. Boston, what is going on? Guess you guys aren't really? going to St. Louis anytime soon in the show me your wallet state. Jeez. <laughs> Woo. Uh, what else this we got? We, uh, this one says Luke says I'd rather go to I go to a Coyotes game. Last opportunity to see a regular season NHL game in a, in a college barn. Uh, Levi says New Zealand All Blacks versus Ireland in the Vila Stadium in Ireland. There wouldn't be all blacks merch sold. Pure competition. The crowd drowns out the haka by New Zealand with their national anthem. Um, this one says, not even just the stadium, it's the whole area of pubs where Jays fans are going to take over. There really is nothing comparable. Even the bartenders and servers say it's the most fun weekend of the year. Uh, Rob says, give me flames in Pittsburgh. Uh, this one says, Joey says, seen the flames in Florida. Uh, basically half a flames team is there already. That's fair. Um, Matthew says he's been to 13 cities, 13 NHL arena and stadiums. He's going with Las Vegas and Seattle. I did catch a game in Vegas, a flames game. That place is just unbelievable. Normally I, I would love to see it with maybe 6,000 flames fans in there as well. And then, and then really have have that dueling kind of situation, that environment, the the chance going back and forth. And I will say this about the Battle of Alberta: Saddledome gets fired up. Yeah, it's you do have the dueling chance. Fun night. Let's go Oilers, Oilers. Eh. Brian Brian goes with a classic one: Habs at Leafs. I think that still has a bit of aura to it. And will once would Montreal th- gets better. Would this be the equivalent to a degree of Maple Leafs fans going into Buffalo? It happens more regularly, but is that kind of the similar scenario, perhaps? Um, Maybe not to this exact scale in Seattle. I think it's because it's just a one-off per year, and it's it's the other half of the of the fan base that gets to go that makes it so special. But I don't think you're far off. Like I think it's a pretty fair comparable to that. Uh, Adam says, "I want to see Jays at Wrigley. Yeah, see, that's you know going to see your favorite team at a classic. Yeah." Road environment would be crazy. Uh, Tony says, as a 49ers fan, I'd love to go see the Cowboys Stadium in Dallas. Lots of 49ers fans show up. The NFL one's interesting, too, because some of those major ones, L.A. gets a lot of road fans. Yep. Dallas gets a lot of road fans. They're bucket, they're bucket list stadiums. Yeah, for, that's you're going to plan your yearly trip for a lot of people going to that stadium, right? And that's going to be the one that you show up for. Um what else we got here? Uh, Shane says, watching the Flames in Montreal at the Bell Center. 
I'm taking my five-year-old son. They're his favorite teams. Red's his favorite color, so watching his emotions of who he wants to win would be the best. Uh, Darcy says, I'm in 27 road cities to see the Flames play. That's impressive. Uh, Vancouver was nasty. Edmonton was okay. Everywhere else, everyone was pretty friendly. Interesting um, that Vancouver was nastier than Edmonton. Hey, man, have you met Art? Who? Our boss. Probably shouldn't have said Tough. who, right? No, it's fine. It's been a great last show. Yeah, it's been nice knowing you. All right. Bye. You know, those Vancouver, they get pretty nasty. No rides at Edmonton. Oh, that, that was you, not me. <laughs> I'm fine with that. <laughs> I'll back that up if I have to. I mean, 100% factually correct, not, but Logan I, Gordon, I didn't know you shot from the hip. Am I incorrect? You are factually correct, sir. Who's wrong there? Riders at McMahon. Uh, it used to be, and I don't, I'm not here to, to take shots at the CFL, it used to be a bigger deal than it, it is now. Rider fan, and I don't, and look, it's, it's a mix of, of not enough Stamps fans and not enough Riders fans. When it was... Burris versus Durant at McMahon. It was must. It was thirty. Looked 000, like Christmas. It was thirty thousand people, mix of red and green, and it's just even a couple weeks ago, it wasn't the same. There was a good amount of Rough Riders fan, but it's just not, uh, just not the same. Uh, that's uh, about going to do it here on the text line. Appreciate you guys texting in nine six zero nine six zero. It is the Jays. It is the Seattle Mariners tonight. Yes, Mr. Vickers. Do we still have that giveaway? We do. We're going to randomly select uh, one of our texters, and we will text you uh, in just a moment uh, with our winner. So we'll uh, make sure to do that at 960-960. But a quick reminder, it is uh, Seattle and Toronto on your radios tonight. 810 first pitch on Sportsnet and here on Sportsnet 960, the fan. Gusei Kikuchi gets the start for the Jays. Brad Miller going for Seattle. Listen to it here on Sportsnet 960 or watch it on the Sportsnet Television Network. This has been the Sports Drive. It's brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. That's why a restricted key system can keep your business safe, even through employee turnover. Visit calgarylockandsafe.com. As we wrap things up, a special thank you to Heather Angle, Adnan Verk, and Patrick Dumas for joining us on the program today. A reminder, you can get any of those interviews up wherever you get your favorite podcast: Google, Amazon, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher. Thank you to Outstanding Producers Cam and Taylor for their hard work this week. Really appreciate that. Thank you to Aaron Vickers for sitting in that chair all week long. We'll be back again next week for a couple of shows together. Looking forward to that. And thank you for listening, whether live or on the podcast. We greatly appreciated it. Thank you for texting in at 960-960. Enjoy your weekend. It's going to be hot out there. Stay hydrated. Stay safe. Stay cool if you can. We will be back on Monday to do it all over again. This has been another edition of Sportsnet Today here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan.